Hello listeners and welcome to the Veterans Care Association and Timor Awakening podcast. The Timor Awakening program is an 11-day, immersive, holistic and peer-to-peer veterans program that has a singular vision, to promote the health and well-being of veterans and their families. We are currently running programs both domestically on the Gold Coast at St. George's Defence Holiday Suites, as well as internationally in Timor-Leste. We use the Timor Awakening programs as an opportunity to sit down with our participants, either one-on-one or in a group setting, and conduct podcast interviews to capture their stories and their lessons learned, providing insights we can all learn from as we as veterans and wounded healers move through our own journeys and help others do the same. We'll be covering a whole range of topics including defence transition, mental health, relationships, veteran suicide, peer mentoring, PTSD and post-traumatic growth. So whether you're out and about, listening to this at home or driving in your car, we do trust that you'll get a lot out of listening to our participants. Thank you and enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to uh, the next podcast, Cab Off the Rank. We're at the tail end, well not over the tail end, we're halfway through the VCA retreat uh, October, November 2022 at St. George's Holiday Suites on the Gold Coast. And uh, sitting down with me now, I have Adrian Humphreys. Welcome, mate. G'day. Thanks, mate. mate you uh, had a bit of a funny story or sort of came down uh, really just for the AGM and you came for the AGM and stayed for the program, as it were. Yeah, inadvertently. <laughs> I came for the AGM to catch up with people I just recently went to Timor with in August. And yep. Right at the end of the day, they invited me to stay till Wednesday through to Wednesday and provided accommodation. So here I am. How good's that? Bit of consolidation of what you did in Timor. Yeah, awesome, mate. Well, so people uh, listening to this understand a bit about who you are and your background to the limit of what you're happy to talk about. What's your sort of military background? Tell. Uh, military background: spent 15 years in the Australian Army. I enlisted in April 2002. Um, Got into uh, four hour, did selection to get into four hour um, in 2005, and I spent the remainder of my uh, time uh, four hour and second commando regiment um, through yep. to 2017. So a good 12 years there as well. Yep. Well, you were over the road at the same time. I was in three hour from uh, 04 to 08. So yeah, that, that yeah. was doing the transition from four hour to two commando as well. Yeah. Yeah. It was um. Yeah, we haven't really expand, talked about, we touched on that briefly just yesterday, but if we yeah. did, I was thinking about it, we would know a lot of the same people. We probably would, yeah, and sort of um, deployment-wise and stuff like that, you've you've had quite a few Guernseys, haven't you? Yeah, I did seven tours while I was in, mm. um, Solomon Islands, Pakistan, East Timor, and four tours through the SOTG at uh, TK there in Afghanistan. I think we... Uh, Chatted briefly yesterday. We've probably chewed chewed some of the same dust and some of the same yeah. fun sized Mars. But I was there twenty eleven as well. So yeah, the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, seems like a, a whole other lifetime ago now, doesn't it? It does. It's a minimum of ten years. Last tour was twenty twelve. Yeah, so yeah. it's ten years currently. Yeah, very similar for my mind was well, we were the targets down patch out tour. It was sort of uh, packed down TK and. Moved to Kandahar for the last five weeks of the deployment, which was December 2013. So, yeah. well, there's obviously still been people there since, but in terms of big army and most of SODG, that was really it. Yeah, the mission, that mission ended, and the, the, sorry, that operation ended, and the, the new one, High Road or whatever it was, was yeah. force protection that commenced. 
Yep, yep, yep. Right. Yeah. And so, uh, so what year did you get out again? Sorry. 2000, I was medically discharged in 2017. 2017. And what uh, have you been up to since then? So you have you mentioned some oh. some film production stuff. Is that only a recent thing? That's or? very recent. Okay. The okay. vast majority of that time I've been a professional patient. Professional um, patient. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Going between medical appointments, routine or with regularity, just medical appointments to um, psychs, psychiatrists, mm-hmm. Uh, GPs, specialists, uh, going through the that whole gamut of um, um, reporting that's required for DVA and the processes that DVA have. Um, what else? Yeah, man, that's the, that was the, as far as yeah. from 2017. Yep. Certainly the year prior, 2016, because I was on sick leave for most of that year as well. Yep. Um, yeah. Is there much in the way of sort of physical injuries as well from your time? Yeah, that was, um, yeah, yeah, my yep. back and shoulders are done. I've got uh, osteoarthritis through several joints mm. in my body. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I've had that at the ripe old age of 30 or something, 32, 31, 32. I had to uh, chuckle to myself earlier today, so we are at the tail end of a hour and a half session. Really good session, but I looked around, it was just you and me standing up. So yeah. trust the two ex sort of parachute-related guys both in their 30s or whatever, they're the only people standing yeah. up. There's all these older Vietnam vets and stuff. No doubt they've got back issues as well, but I'm like, we're the only two schmucks that are standing up from back pain. Yeah, I was, yeah it's not hard to ag- aggravate it, especially the, the lumbar. I mean, yeah, it is. It gives me grief a lot, but it's yeah. hence why we receive the um, mm. the cover and the benefits and the entitlements that we do, I guess. Yes, yeah. it's... It's lifelong shit that you're just going to have to manage. You don't solve it, you just have to manage it. And it's probably only going to get worse in a lot of ways. We'll learn to manage it better. But um, back pain really doesn't tend to get better in a lot of ways. No. Not, not the root cause. You, you manage it better and you, you medicate it better in some ways. But back pain is unfortunately there for life. And, um, mate, I mean, you, you, you sort of guide this in terms of how detailed you, you're happy to go you, you tell me to shut up if I'm, I'm sort of asking sure. too many probing questions but okay. it sounds like that last sort of five years has been pretty tricky and you've been navigating a lot and someone listening to this absolutely could be in a similar sort of position what, what have you learned from that that part of your life and that journey and that navigating dva and different specialists and sort mm. of getting to a place to sort of get into a better headspace life gets better once you're resolved a lot of those processes like the permanent impairment process with dva i didn't realize how heavily that hung over my head Mm. for the years that it did i had quite an extended period going through that process because of instability and you know returning to um, hospital and and whatever else Mm. um they require stability in your conditions both mental and physical prior to them conducting their final assessment on them which was frustrating um but once it is resolved, unless someone c- commences an appeal process, once it's resolved, it's a massive weight off your shoulders. Um, and have you reached that resolution yourself? Yeah. Oh, re- fantastic. Reached that. Yep. Uh, commenced it probably 2015. Mm. Mm. Didn't resolve it until May 2019. Right. Four and a, four and a bit years. Unfortunately, that's not uncommon. No. Mm. But um, it was a necessary evil to take it that long. I'd say be absolutely thorough in you, in the context of permanent impairment, that, pr- uh, that process. Uh, 
for anyone listening, be absolutely thorough in um, um, getting as many claims in for as many issues that you have as possible. Do not for a moment think, oh, no, nah, yeah, no, nah, about or slack off or think somehow or excuse away some manner of injury that you sustained. Oh, no, no, nah, it was just this, it was just that. Yeah. Like, no, you do no one any favours. Um, it's an attitude that maybe served you well in the military because it's that whole crack on mentality yep. which is required. Yep, at the time. Once you're out, like shift it, shift it into um, accountability both to yourself and to the military. Yep. Um, that's what I'd say, be thorough. Um, yeah. That's why mine took so long. We, I got to the point of submission twice and had a di- new set of eyes look over my medical records. One of them came up with eight additional <laughs> claims. So off we went again. You uh, took the words right out of my mouth. That's something that I did similar. So I had uh, a sacroiliac joint, bilateral sacroiliac joint dysfunction diagnosed. That's the main sort of issue that I have. Um, but I, that took years. So I think I submitted December 18, got accepted March 21. Was about to go through exactly that. The the the, the permanent impairment board was going to say, "Okay, here's what's wrong with you, and here's what what, what you're going to get, or whatever." And then a friend of mine said, "Stop, go get your medical records, which you can now request, as you would know. Uh, they send it to you on a, on a thumb thumb drive in the mail, and they email you a password." Sat down with a DVA rep. No doubt you did a similar thing, and he just went right through them. From start to finish, I spent two and a half hours in his office and he found five more claims. Yep. Um, now, it was a pain in the ass to go and get the, <laughs> the, the all the medical, all the specialist appointments that had to happen. And, you know, uh, when you have an ailment that's hard to trace, you can't see it on a scan, that's when it becomes complicated. Yep. Um, so to get a specialist to sign off on that was a mission. But that's five more claims than otherwise wouldn't have had. And all these problems are real and they're all going to be there probably to some extent the rest of my life. They all are linked to each other to some extent. So you're dead on the money with that. And I can echo that perfectly. That that's really what you need to do is have someone look it through it with a fine tooth comb and go, no, actually that is going to be a massive problem for you in 10 years time. The, ad- the final advocate that I had, and I was jack of it by this point and I wasn't doing well mentally. So I, I said to him at one point, like, do we really need to do all this? And he's just gone, Adrian, check, here's your med docs, here's your med screen from when you were 18 when you joined. See how healthy you are? Now look at this. That's the difference. That's why we're doing it. And I'm yep. like, you're right. Like, if you didn't have it when you joined the army, then fuck them. Sorry. No, 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 swear. no, not at all. Fuck them. Claim it. You claim it. You, like, he, he set me straight with my attitude because I still had that, nah, nah. She'll be right. She'll be right attitude right up till that point, uh, like into 2018. Um. Yeah, he changed it. He's like, mm. just um. Be be in a word. Be ruthless with, <laughs> your, with yourself about it. Really. Yeah. And, and uh, the, all the more important to get it in sooner rather than later. Because I mean, I I rang uh, DVA the other day and got an email. Just circumstantial. It was like that. The average period is twelve months for yeah. a claim to sort of get looked at and to be moved from okay yes or no accepted to permanent impairment there's probably another six months on top of that so something like sixty three thousand claims behind they do they are but they are the, that royal commission from what i heard lit a fire underneath them the opposite end of the spectrum is i had a i was a complex case they gave assigned me literally immediately after my discharge i was assigned a dva um 
complex ca- a case manager. I went through four of them mm. over that time because, it, again, because it, it took so long. However, the final one that I had, um, she was great. I ended up asking, getting in contact with a sort of administrative chain at DVA to ask if they could award her somehow or, or recognise her for her um, support. Mm. Mm. She was someone <laughs> I spoke to a lot. There was a point in time where, you know, my marriage had broken down. Um, I didn't have anyone really, so I would talk to her a lot. Yep. Um, my psych and psychiatrist and all those people, yes, but they were sort of in their own lane, so to speak. Um, when the whole, I don't know, yeah, like I said, this thing can weigh on you heavily and it was weighing on me heavily at different times and when she would call up to, to check in with me, like do a weekly welfare check, that's sometimes I just unload on her and um, she was always great. So yeah. I made sure they, that whoever was in charge of her knew that. So Well done. That's the other end of the spectrum too. It's, it's, mm. it's don't hate the player, hate the game. Oh, 100%. 100%. I mean, they, they, they're in over their heads. They've had they so are. many claims and they've you know, they've instigated some recent policies, as you've kind of suggested, where they're you know looking at it sooner so they can get your feedback sooner and they've got more people working on it. I mean, I actually think in a lot of ways DVA does a bloody good job <laughs> under the circumstances and in a lot of ways there's horror stories, but, um, you know, they, they are dealing they, with a... They are. They've come leaps and bounds with mm. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. Again, from the horror stories. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> something. Something's good out of it. So, um, what has led you? So you did TA twenty one, if I'm not mistaken, mm. which was uh, earlier this year. Yeah. August. What led you to that? How, how did you get from sort of everything you've been doing to end up on a program like that? One of the mentors on that course, Scott McAndrew. Mm-hmm. I've known him since he was uh, the head of Air Ops at Two Commando in 2010, 11. Scott. Sky God. Yeah, I've interviewed him as well. He came over. Yeah. He came over as a watchkeeper and a like a swinging dick, I suppose. Yeah, uh, yep. as part of our company group in mm-hmm. 2011 to TK. Yep. Uh, on and off contact with him ever since through social media and whatever else. Uh, but he just literally messaged me out of the blue and said, "Hey, man, put in a here's a link to an EOI for a group going to Timor in August." I assumed it was the first group. I didn't had no idea about any of this yep, yep. Um, group or you know, this program up here. And uh, I just said, yeah, no worries. Yep. <laughs> Submitted it. Rowena got in contact with me mm. pretty much soon afterwards. We did an interview and um, the rest is history. I just ended up – it snuck up on me. Yeah. All of yep. a sudden I'm in Darwin. All of a sudden I'm back <laughs> in Timor. What was it like being back after um, all that time? I wigged. The first day, but, the, you know, mentors have been there before countless times. They, you know, that they just, they accounted for that. They didn't explicitly tell you that you were going to be Wigan. But, um, yeah, getting off the, and I, it was quite a subtle sort of stress, I suppose maybe you'd call it. Or yeah, background sort of. Yeah, background sort of distress sort of thing. Um, we got to our hotel, um, oh sorry, arrived, got to the hotel, uh, I think it was either that day, no, that was the evening, the following day, yeah, day one, they started it with a pretty heavy document documentary mm. of, of the struggle. Yep. Um, Zanana Gusmao, the 70s era, the, the invasion, 70s era, um, the troubles in 2006, all that sort of stuff. So that triggered people, including myself, mm. not, not um, overtly or explicitly, but just in the background. And then off we went to go see a couple of places um, in Dili, one of those being uh, the 
schools that they run for the kids that have sort of been kicked out of other schools or mm. that program that they've got throughout Southeast Asia, actually. Mm. But um, it was just something simple like uh, getting off our bus and walking down these tinge, uh, the corrugated iron alleyways to get to that school. And the last time I was... I said it out loud. I went, like, it was something was the effect. Like, I felt like... And there's kids coming everywhere as well out of this school. People going everywhere. And last time we were in a situation like that with people and corrugated iron laneways and all that sort of shit, we were chasing people down. Mm. Like, it was a very violent, very aggressive... Um, um, Is that, like, 07 era you were there? Part of the... 06, man. Right 06. Yeah. So went there May 2006. Like, we were part of the... I was part of the Komodo company group that secured the airport, secured the port... And then, um, you know, doctrine, doctrinally, that was supposed to be us. We were the advanced force. We did our job. We were supposed to leave. And after day four or five and security completely deteriorated, um, situation completely deteriorated, <laughs> uh, became pretty obvious that we weren't going anywhere and we were going to be. We ended up being sort of the, the, the task group, QRF, yep. um, using any and all means to get around Dilly. Um, sending platoon lots out to do orientations and liaison with um, district centres out throughout East Timor, mm -hmm. both north and south coast and right out to the west, out to Los Palos. Yep. Um, Did they end up merging into the sort of Ronaldo chase? Was that a separate group at a separate nah, time? No, separate. Well, no, that was... No, at that time, Ronaldo was sitting at Maubisi with a sort of babysitters slash keep-out-of-trouble group of um, a patrol from SASR. Uh, my platoon, maybe th I don't know, man, five or six weeks into it, we swapped out with them. We drove up or down to Malbisi, um and took up that role. So it is weird, man. It's all very sort of um, looking back at it all, and now it deteriorated even further from there. But that was what we're talking, maybe June two thousand, late June two thousand and six. At that stage, Renato was a bit of a trouble maker, but nothing too serious and he wasn't giving us too much grief like and we watched state of origin 2 with him in his hacienda mm -hmm. his massive mm -hmm. big screen bloody tv that he had became more of a sort of issue a couple of years later wasn't yeah. it kind of 2008 the assassination yeah assassination attempts and um walking out of the prison somehow being um arrested um we did like my uh, the platoon, I was a, I was the platoon signal our platoon commander received orders to arrest him <laughs> while we were there and we just when it came through, I'm like, boss, you, boss, you might want to read this. <laughs> and I was beside him and he's just taking it in. You're like, fuck, man. <laughs> um, and then he just got on the – like, I hooked him up with the radio to get comms back to Dilly straight away and he just got on the phone or got on the comms and um, you know, tried trying to make heads and tails of it. Mm, like, can I mm. get some context as to where this has come <laughs> from? Like, if, like <laughs> we just had this mess. The day we got there, they had that – this massive um, media circus parade of his men handing his unloading their weapons and handing them over to him, yeah, to yeah. us, sorry, to lock in, a lock away in guard, like they're disarming themselves. It's this sort of symbolic gesture. Um, as soon as the media left, we opened up the fucking door, like opened up the sh um, shipping container and gave the weapons straight back to him. <laughs> so that I think that's what played on my platoon commander's mind. Like if these dudes take this news badly, we're going to get in a massive... Shit fight, gunfight, mm. potentially in this little hacienda thing, straight out of bloody Commando, the old movie Commando. <laughs> like it looks like that's what it looks like. Yeah. It's a Portuguese villa hacienda sort of 
yeah. thing yeah. that Mal Bissie set up right on perched on top of a hill. Um, what could possibly go wrong? Yeah. Mm. That happened. Maybe that was the writing on the wall back even then, June 2006. At any rate, we didn't – he went and – our boss went and spoke with him. Hey, they want me to arrest you, yada, yada. He, he handled it very well. Um, we didn't end up doing that, something – but it evidently obviously happened later and uh, he got jack or tired of that circumstance so he fled the prison that um, he was being held in down in Dilly. Mm-hmm. I think that's what enabled – that was the end of 2006 because I think that's what enabled oh – sorry, um, they instigated a – or that initiated a, a special speci- – like a task group specific, a platoon plus of commandos with a group of cats or SSR guys as well mm-hmm. to head out uh, – a apprehension task force yep, yep. specifically got deployed over there in addition to everything else that was already there to apprehend him and they attempted that at Same. We actually had a TA5 which was about mm, October 2017. We had um, a bit of a sort of walk through talk through. I don't know if you know Graham Goff. Yeah. 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 So Graham he, he um, was there at the time and just talked us through sort of step by step how it happened when he was sort of shooting at a helicopter and all sort of stuff and what kind of it's pretty, pretty pretty hectic sort of stuff for a brief period there. Yeah. yeah. Well, it is a weird one. It catches you unawares how violent stuff can get. Like it happened in the Solomons a couple of times too. Yeah. How it just goes from zero to a hundred. Mm, mm. um, Crazy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and what about um, so overall successful trip yeah. over there? Well, that was yeah. yeah so that sort of. Sorry, I'm t- uh, by successful trip, I'm now talking about TA. So you went back to yeah, Delhi. You, you, trigger, you, triggering yeah. sort of moments there yeah, yeah. and I held it together. We sort of talked it out at the share at the circle um, later that night. But from there, once we got out to Balab, I never went to Balabur whilst I was there. We were always, I was in Dilly and predominantly. Mm. Um, we went to Balabo for a few days Mountain biking down from the road from Balibo. And the Maliana. Yeah. And the Maliana. Um, yeah, from there, man, it became a pretty profound experience. I didn't realise how much um, uh, uh, closure I needed from it. Okay. I didn't really appreciate that or didn't have any, <laughs> yeah, like I said, the whole thing, even get going up to Darwin, mm. catch yourself thinking, why are we here? Oh, that's right, we're going to Timor tomorrow. <laughs> um yeah, it was um, unexpected in that sense. Yep. And um, thus, when you start to feel differently, uh, what what I suppose had I had to get used to initially and, and throughout the trip or what I remarked on to, you know, initially to myself was how thriving it is. It's it's thriving and I didn't, as- you know, if you don't realise it, you just don't associate thriving um, uh thriving population centres with Timor because every time... You were there, yeah. My experience of it being there, it's a ghost town or it's on fire, a ghost town and or it's on fire. Mm, mm. Um, so to see development, to see five-storey buildings, to see, <laughs> you know, apartment blocks and, um, again, thriving populations, uh, really young population too, like they're, they're probably... Some phenomenal percentages below the age of fourteen. Yeah, yeah. It's like a, it's like new life, man. It's it would be running counter to the bell curve of so many other developed nations around the world. Mm. Their bell curve is they're pear shaped. They're bottoming out in the older age brackets. Yep. 
and not so much in the young. And I reckon Dick Timor would be the opposite. They've got a massively young population because, mm. again, they're thriving. It's a sign of a thriving culture and a thriving population. Fantastic. So, well, I'm glad it was a good trip for you, mate. It sounds like there was uh, some closure to be had or, you know, even if closure is not your word, some, I guess, unpackings of it that you didn't know needed to happen, which yeah. has partially happened now at the very least. So. Cool, mate. And now, what's um, we might we might wrap up shortly, but what's happening for you now? Um, you mentioned some sort of film production thing. Is that something you want to talk about, or is that sort of something that's a little bit more NDA uh, non disclosure <laughs> agreement kind of related? If so, that's cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's I've found myself getting involved in film and television, like the industry. Yep. Um, and yeah, some some jobs have come out of it. Some unexpectedly high profile ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, Back onto one of them tomorrow. Um, that was another reason I was, I was uppy. Uh, yep. Not much to say about it, I suppose, because, yeah. But I guess the, the, the key thing I'm looking for is that it, does that feel like that's kind of a new direction for you? Are you kind of excited oh, about it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, there's a lot I suppose I could say about it in that sense, but I. Yeah, an, unexpe- an unexpected direction, but. One that, um, you know, for years, man, I got out of the military 2017 um, to, you know, my personal circumstances, I got dragged through family law court for years. Mm. Um, My military service was used against me. I was notified as a risk due to my military service. (laughs) My psychiatrist at the time is a really good bloke. But he's very real. He said, Adrian, like at different times, you've got to be real careful. Because I'll tell you, do you know how they call you guys commando for life, like your brotherhood? Do you know who else calls you, thinks you guys are commandos for life? The New South Wales Police Force. <laughs> magistrates. Yeah. Ma- and magistrates. Yeah, yeah. They'll see special forces or ex-special forces or something like that and they'll immediately think Rambo because that's all they know. From like yeah. Yeah. That's an irony. And um, I've, 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 I've always kept that with me. Uh, so what's my point? get holes punched through for your military service once you're out. No one gives a shit. Um, I didn't – maybe I did have a chip on my shoulder about that, but I didn't, like, get angry at the world, so to speak. But all of a sudden that has flipped. And, like, this recent production, every single visual military aspect of this production that we've been on has come from me answering their questions. Mm. It's not a single part of it because these I, – I, and in so doing, I've been educated in art. You guys, this prop, as far militarily speaking – all the, this entire art department and this production doesn't have a clue because they've never done a military production before. Mm. That's mm. why I'm being flogged with so many inane questions, <laughs> some of which were quite, you know, like frustrating because I had to think about so many one percenters that you and I mm. just don't even think about yep. Um, yep. in terms of uh, equipment. Why? And there was a lot of why questions. Um, why is it like that? Why, is this, why do you wear your watch like that? Why is this? And I was getting that from one of the actors. Actually, he noticed my watch and just asked. I went, that's... I'm not saying I was one man, but snipers run their watch like that on the inside because when you're behind a scope, you've got to make minimal movement. So if you want to know what the time is, you just got to be able to go like that, mm. look down at the watch and then go back like that. That's why it's... Otherwise, this is too big. It's too much. That's what I mean, man. One yeah. percent of shit. Yeah. But... The actor doesn't know that. The art department doesn't know that. Um, it's a it's a good um, sign on their behalf that they want that level of authenticity and realism in this in the shoot and that detail and that detail. Mm. Um, so all of a sudden, 
everything I've been doing my best to forget uh, for years is all of a sudden an asset. Well, it's good to feel valued, isn't it? Yeah. Like rather than being, <laughs> yeah, you know, being penalised well, against well, it. And to expand on that one, yeah. I was taught the armoury of this movie is the one that got me this particular gig. He's ex-infantry as well. And they were hammering him with the questions and he had no answers for him. That's why he called me. That's how I got it, purely through networking. Um, but we were saying, yeah, we were sort of thinking out loud about this very question to expand on your point, um, to be uh, respected for your knowledge. Mm. We used what the word that came up was like, they it's it's respect, and because we're in the military, and the mil like you hardly ever get any respect in the military. In addition to the last five years of getting hauled before. Um, family law court and a couple of other instances in court and you're just not respected you're actually being smashed yeah. for your military service it's used against you it's yep. used against you it's not something you you start disassociating respect from your military service um so because we were remarking about how foreign it feels being listened to and valued on this particular movie set that's it that's very interesting isn't it and we were like yeah and and i looked at him and went that's because they it. <laughs> and it was so and he laughed i'm like but it's true and he went yeah i know and it's like we're so used to being disrespected we don't know what <laughs> yeah. fucking respect looks and sounds like yeah and yeah. i've gone yeah <laughs> yeah fuck and, and that can actually also be partially i think from your military surface itself because depending on what, what rank you were i mean um if, if you're a lower rank maybe it's probably a little bit different in the sf community but I certainly felt no, that it's, the same. it's probably the same. I felt like when you came out of that environment, people didn't even know what your rank was or even cared. It was sort of like, this is what it's like to get spoken to with respect. You know, I worked for a coaching company for a while, like a you know, life and results coaching, and ended up becoming the head coach of it for a while. I was the youngest person ever. And three years later, like the president or the CEO of that company said, so you were an officer or not? <laughs> you know, and like... The fact that it took him three years to even ask or care what rank I was is just so indicative of, you know, in the outside world, no one cares. They're like, do they, do they like you? Yeah. A, do they like the you? One, man. And B, like, can you do the job? That's what I learned off this movie set. Yeah. The, one of one of the props props people said heaps of people in the industry, but they they're all freelance. Mm. They literally get it because they all like working together. Yeah. All, all the different heads on this particular movie and all the people to a man are freelance. They're not part of a set production company. And they all like when that comes down to, and that comes down to, I like working with that person. I yeah. like working with this person. That's how they get, yep. that's how they get hired. It's the whole game, isn't um, it? Yeah. Whereas military, it's like stiff shit. <laughs> he's, he's your two IC or, or yeah. Or, yeah. Yep. You work with. It's a different world. But no, I'm really glad to hear that you've, you, it sounds like you've stumbled across something that you're, you're passionate about and has, has some um, some potential longevity to it. Yeah we'll, yeah, we'll see what happens with it. It's pretty, I don't know, we'll see what happens with it. Yeah, nice one, mate. All right, fun well, while it lasts. <laughs> yeah. I can tell, by the way, uh, both of us are wriggling around in our chairs. It's probably about as much as our backs can take for one night. Yeah. Uh, mate, is it just before we consider wrapping up, anything else you wanted to add, anything I've missed there? No, that, 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 that all sounds pretty comprehensive, like Team War-centric podcast. <laughs> Easy done. Yeah. Sorry, Adrian. Yeah, sorry, no. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's all very good. It was a quite a profound experience to go back there. Yep. And um, yep. the people we did it with, mm. Mm. Um, good people. And good people that um, have created and run this program. I like, how I like for mine, it's successful because it's so small. Mm. So my two cents to them was don't try and make it bigger. Yeah, you know, that's a big point. Don't associate um, success with growth or expansion or anything mm. like that because right now it is pretty successful. 
and they can become diluted over time. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Awesome, Adrian. Thanks so much for your time, buddy. I think it's uh, time to go get some sleep. You've got an uber early start in the morning, and thanks for your time, brother. Great. Thanks very much, man. Easy done, mate. Bye. Thank you so much for listening, guys. And if you do have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to us at support at veteranscare.com.au. And we do, of course, encourage you to share this podcast out to anyone who you feel may benefit from it. Thank you so much, and we look forward to connecting with you on the next podcast. Bye for now.